Amen. Good morning, church. My name is uh, Perry Tong. So thankful to be here in Wichita with you all this morning. I'm going to get set up here. Amen. Technology, right? Amen. Like I said, my name is Perry Tong. I'm here with my wife, Ronnie. Um, She's amazing. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll start. Amen. Dear God, thank you uh, for your church. Thank you for fellowship with brothers and sisters all throughout our region. God, thank you for the opportunity to come together, lift up voices, and praise your name. Father, pray that you are glorified this morning. Pray that you would speak, God. Pray that we could rely on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So my wife and I, Ronnie, we help lead the campus ministry at the University of Kansas. Rock Chalk. I know we got some Jayhawks in the room. Guys, I am so thankful to come and worship here in Wichita. Um, If you couldn't tell, I am from Lawrence. I grew up in Lawrence. I live in Lawrence. But I love Wichita. Um, my best man, Jason Tran and his wife, Grace, and you guessed it, Grace Tran, they live in Lawrence with me, but you know, they're from Wichita. Um, you guys all know Josh. I had the opportunity to go to MIT in Como way back when with Josh. We spent many mornings driving to the building, listening to Fallout Boy together. I have three uncles who live here in Wichita, and growing up, my dad would bring me to Wichita to come and visit my grandma, Um, and we would eat lunch at either Furs or Spangles. Those were her favorites. She loved the apple pie at Furs, and then after, we would go back to her house on Pawnee, and this month, I celebrated five years of being a disciple. And so much has happened in the time since becoming a Christian. Uh, I've graduated college. I've gotten married. I've met lifelong friends. But I've also seen people who I thought would be around forever walk away from the faith. I've spent entire days mourning. I've experienced incredible sadness and frustration. And through all of it, I've been taught... To rely on God. The title of my message this morning is Rely on God. And my hope is to remind us that relying on God's instruction leads to the best life we can live. Guys, when we rely on God, it keeps us anchored through the storms of life, right? Like it says in Hebrews 1, it fulfills us and sustains us. And relying on God allows us to experience what Jesus described as life. To the full. Amen. As disciples, we know where life comes from. It comes from the Bible and Jesus. And when we signed up to follow Jesus, we became recipients of everlasting life. And we now have the privilege of living with Jesus in heaven and having life for eternity. Amen. But in order to get there, we have to decide on a daily basis that we will go to God's word and rely on him. Guys, I believe this is important because our world is constantly trying to get us to rely on things other than God. There's always a new teaching, right? There's always a new way of doing things. There's always a new idea. 
And these things are everywhere. They're on the internet. They're at our jobs, at our kids' schools. And guys, I just want to be honest. I believe we need to start calling these things for what they are. They're Satan's attempt to stop people from relying on God. Guys, Satan is constantly confronting us with a new teaching or a new way of life or a new idea on where that life comes from, right? And the whole reason he does it is to get us to rely on something other than God. That means it is up to us as disciples to decide every day what life it is we are going to live. Amen? Is it a life that revolves around relying on God by going to his word? Or do we rely on something else? This is the same decision Israel was faced with in the Old Testament. And the story we're going to look at this morning, Israel's leaders are having to decide between relying on God or relying on their own intuition. So turn with me to Joshua 9. And as we turn there, I'll share just a little context. See, this entire time, the person leading Israel was Moses. God was using Moses to lead his people. But for decades, Joshua had been Moses' protege. And now is his time to step up. And we'll start in verse 1. It says, Now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, the kings in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, they came together to wage war against Joshua and Israel. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. And so these people called the Hivites, they see all these battles Israel is winning because the conquest is alive. So out of fear that they'd also be destroyed, they go and try and make an oath with Joshua. And it's at this point that Joshua has to make a decision. Does he rely on his own intuition Or does he rely on what God tells him to do? Turn to verse 14. It says, The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. So the Israelites set out and on the third day came to their cities, Gibeon, Kephira, Baroth, and Kiriath-Jerim. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And then this is what I want to highlight. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. So instead of going to God, Joshua lies on his own intuition and it immediately blows up in his face, right? The entire assembly grumbles at him. 
The reality is, guys, Joshua went on to be a great leader, and by no means does this mistake define him, but it does tell us that when we don't rely on God, life becomes a mess. Amen? Just want to encourage you, think about any time in your life when you've chosen to rely on your own intuition instead of God. It never turns out as good if you had just relied on God in the first place. Amen? You know, when I think about this in my own life, I think about the time Ronnie and I moved into our apartment right after we got married. And the first thing we needed to do was set up furniture. So we get in the car. We had to Ikea. I'm not sponsored. And I'll just be honest. We got everything set up, but guys, it was a mess. The reason it was a mess is because when I opened the box of furniture and saw the little instruction manual, instead of holding on to it for dear life, I had a moment of thinking. I just said, I got this. I just threw it to the side. And what they don't tell you is that those aren't suggestions, right? I'm sure most of the guys in the audience can relate. The smart, the smart ones can't. And so Ronnie and I were sitting there in the middle of our living room. Dinner's ready because it's dinner time, but we can't eat because the coffee table isn't fixed. Putting together an Ikea coffee table is pretty simple, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wrong. If I would have just relied on the instructions, it would have gone so much easier. And church, I want to ask, are we reliant on God this morning? Because when we don't rely on God, life becomes a mess. And the reality is we don't always experience that mess right away, right? I mean, you take this story, for instance. When Joshua chose to make this oath without relying on God, there was a mess in the moment. He and his leaders looked foolish in front of the people in the same way I looked foolish in front of my wife. But the full repercussions of this event wouldn't play out until about 300 years later. Turn to 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21, verse 1. says, During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, it is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death. The king summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not a part of Israel, but were survivors of the Amorites. The Israelites had sworn to spare them, but Saul in his zeal for Israel and Judah had tried to annihilate them. And so David realizes that this famine, 300 years later from the scripture in Joshua, he realizes that the famine was happening because King Saul tried to annihilate the same people that Joshua made an oath with. Those are the same people. And because Saul did that, it led to a famine. Guys, when we don't rely on God, life becomes a mess. And we experience that mess in the present, but we also experience it in the future. Amen? 
And when I think about examples of people who have been reliant on God, I think about Jason and Grace's high school orchestra teacher. Um, for those of you who don't know Jason and Grace, I said earlier they grew up here in Wichita, but Christy Smith was actually their orchestra teacher in high school. And I don't know if you guys have heard this story, but before Jason and Grace got married a couple years ago, they had a conversation with Christy. And Christy told them that every morning before class, she would pray that one of the students in her class would go on to become a disciple. And so Jason and Grace, who were dating at the time and were not disciples, come to KU. Grace gets reached out to during the summer. She studies the Bible. She breaks up with Jason because he wasn't a disciple. But then Jason made the decision that he was going to study the Bible. And then they both made the decision to rely on God and were baptized into Christ. Amen. And then right before they got married, they learned that before relying on God was ever a thought on their minds, someone had been relying on God and praying for them. Can you imagine that conversation? I think about the campus ministry at KU. And how over the last calendar year, we've seen 20 young people make the decision to be baptized into Christ. I personally still consider myself young, okay? I'm only 25. Ask a 21-year-old, you'll get a different response. But the fact that there are college students who are making the decision to rely on God more than whatever junk Satan's trying to throw at him these days. It inspires me and it fires me up. And guys, the reality is we all have the opportunity to rely on God this morning. In Matthew 7, Jesus taught exactly what it looked like to rely on him. Matthew 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house On the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. With a great crash. Jesus wants nothing more than for us to build our house on the rock. He wants nothing more than for us to rely on God. And if you think about it, the amazing thing is that we don't have to do it alone. I mean, God has done so much so that we can rely on him. And avoid the mess, right? God's given us Jesus. He's given us the Bible. He's given us one another so that we can have help. Guys, when I think about how God has helped me avoid the mess, he's done it through friendship. You know, you'll meet this guy next week. His name's Turner. Turner's one of my best friends. And Turner's example helps me become a better follower and a better minister. I think about Willie. Willie O'Quinn leads the church in Lawrence. He's been so patient with me and so supportive of me. 
I think about our congregation in Lawrence. Like they, they have given me the space to grow and mature, and I, I don't take that for granted. I think about Jason and Grace. Their, their friendship for Ronnie and I, it means the world. They're a safe place for us. When we don't rely on God, our lives become a mess. But God wants to help us avoid it. But guys, our problem is that we're always looking for the new thing. We're always looking for the new teaching, the new way of thinking to rely on for answers. We're always looking for a new thing to rely on for fulfillment or for identity. And the problem with that is that we're looking for the answers that only the Bible can provide. And we do this in a lot of ways, right? I think about students. As college students, we tend to rely on grades more than we rely on God. You know? I think about as parents or hopeful future parents. We have to be aware of what we rely on when it comes to how we parent our children. Because in a world full of technology and podcasts and opinions, which are more amplified now than ever before, amen, we have to be more aware than we've ever been. And I'm not saying information is bad, right, or that those things don't bring anything positive to the table. All I'm saying is that God's word was literally inspired by a father and given to his children. Amen. God who loves us, his kids, more than anything, who could have done anything to get all of us, his kids, back to heaven, gave us the Bible. If we're going to love our kids the way God loves us, which is more than anything, we need to rely on the Bible. I think about in our marriages. It's so easy to rely on what the world teaches it means to be a good spouse. In the world, anything could define what it means to be a good spouse, right? A good spouse could be defined by what your in-laws think. In the church, it's defined by what God thinks. As people in God's church, we've got to rely on what God says more than what the world expects. I think about our money. And this is something that Ronnie and I are wrestling with, especially, you know, being out of college. We've got a little more money than we've ever been used to. And as people who live in America, where everything is so consumer-based, we have to make sure we aren't reliant on that money to make us happy. Guys, there's a, there's a reason Jesus taught so much on money. It's because he knew as beneficial as it could be and as much of a blessing as it could be, it can also become something we rely on instead of God. Amen? The reality is at some point in our lives, guys, we've all relied on something other than God. So I want to ask, are we relying on God this morning? Now, obviously, all this comes back to obeying the Bible more than ourselves. And when it comes to relying on God, it means we do what the Bible tells us, even if we don't want to. But I want to encourage us. Because God has done everything possible, everything imaginable, so that we can all rely on him this morning. He's given us his word. He's given us Jesus. He's given us fellowship with one another. And my charge this morning is for all of us to lean into that. Lean into relying on God more than whatever else is out there. 
And guys, the goal is to become fully reliant on God and closer to each other in the process. And so I want to encourage you all, identify where we fail to rely on God. And when you put your finger on it, share it with someone you're close to. Now as we close this morning, whether it's Joshua or it's us, we've all relied on ourselves more than we have God. Amen? We all have. We've all experienced the mess that comes from it. But guys, because of the great God that we serve, amen, we no longer have to be self-reliant. God has given us Jesus and his word to rely on. And these are the only things that will never perish, that will never spoil. They certainly won't fade. So I want to call us to remember that relying on God is the way to live the best life. Amen? Amen. Thank you.